This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm Cheyenne. And each week, we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. All right, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a Rowdy Mermaid Adapt Tonic, which is a mushroom immunity beverage. It's chamomile lime is the flavor I got. I haven't actually tried the Rowdy Mermaid Rishi drinks yet. They make really good kombucha. So I thought for this herb corner and in honor of you and Tova and all the things that I would try one of these um, because I know you like using reishi in a lot of things. I do. And it's chamomile lime and I like both chamomile and lime. So let's find out. Let's crack it. We'll see. Ready? Different kind of ASMR for you today. Ooh, Ooh, uh, that was a good pop. Yeah. That was excellent. Ooh, it's quite good. Actually, you can't tell that there's mushrooms in it. Sometimes I feel like mushroom drinks taste really mushroomy. Yeah, that tends to happen. But this one's not bad. It's it's very subtle. It's definitely more lime. And you can... There's some floral notes. All right. I like you, Rowdy Mermaid. Nice job. Bravo. What are you, what are you drinking? <clears throat> I am drinking a... It's called Sweet Treat. It is also a tea. Well, I guess yours isn't... Well, yours is a tea. It's just fermented. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's just chili. But... Because this is like one of our last episodes, it's a little bit of a celebratory mood in that we're finishing up season two and wrapping up and heading into season three, which is always exciting. can't believe, A, that we're wrapping up season two, and B, that we're at the end of Herb Corner. I know. For this season. That being said, so I kind of have like a little bit of a dessert tea. Ooh. So it has smooth and rich cocoa. And vanilla. And then the tea is, and I can never say this. I don't know if it's rooibos. I don't know if it's ruibos. I don't know if it's rooibos. Yeah, same. I need to do one of those Google things where people on YouTube just pronounce a word 50 times in a row. I don't know if it's ruibos. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably not that. Yeah, you're probably right. But I'm not ruling it out yet. That's fair. (laughs) But anyway. That is my tea for tonight, and it is scrumdilliumptious, and I have a little bit of agave in there. I do love a red tea. Uh, yeah, and it's very rich tasting, which I love. So Nice. Look at us with our healthy drinks. I know. Do you realize that we've maybe had an alcoholic beverage like twice all of season two? I know. It's like <laughs> we were the party kids in college <laughs> on season one, and now we're like entering our 30s. Yes. Have you are. have you seen those videos? I think they're so funny that are going around on TikTok where it's like me getting ready in my 20s and you're like bopping oh, out yes. to music and putting on heavy makeup and then like me when I'm 25 and you're still kind of bopping a little bit, but you kind of have more under control. And then in the 30s, it's like you in your bathroom and you're like, breathe in, breathe yeah. out. <laughs> it, that's not so accurate. <laughs> it used to take me hours to get ready. Same. Like if we were going out, I would spend hours caking on makeup applying 50 layers of mascara like making sure every hair was completely perfectly curled and now I'm like three-day-old makeup and can I wear a baseball hat question mark yeah well and to be fair we were emo so 
That's we had, true. We had Those to do all of the straightening. <laughs> took like time to maintain. <laughs> and putting on three layers of black eyeshadow also took a while. So, God, remember the phase of just black eyeliner on your bottom lashes? Yeah. That was terrible. Yeah. Would I go back to emo though? Yes. Let's resurge this stuff. Resurge, resurrect. <laughs> We're going to yeah, spurge I mean, back into emo-ness. <laughs> I feel like I'm just one bad day away from going and getting a crazy razored haircut. So. Same. Same. <laughs> I have like that one big chunky highlight in the front. Right. I have jumped on the Gen Z train, though, and started the middle part, but I'm not mad about it so far. So You have a face that works really well for a middle part, and oh. I desperately miss my side shave, so I like need to be in a deep side part all the mm. time. You did rock that uh again one bad day away one bad day away from going back to the barber and having someone shave my head my husband's always really wanted me to do that but I just I don't think I could make it through the growing it back out stage so I don't know what that was like for you but it was terrible (laughs) I can imagine (laughs) I will be very honest it was garbage the only way to like truly rock a side (laughs) shave is if you're prepared to commit to a side shave for a long amount of time right because it's not Otherwise, like you can really hide it. Like the undershave, at least when you're growing it out, you can kind of hide that, you know? That's a good idea. I should just go get an undercut. That's Do like, it. That's like the hot mom version. Mm. Touche. I'm not a mom, but I feel like <laughs> sometimes I have that energy. <laughs> For sure. You always got hot mom energy. Oh, God. Okay. Draw us a card, girl. What are we talking about today? <laughs> so, in honor of Herb Corner, we got the Spirit of the Herb Tarot deck. So, I was kind of shifting these as we went along. But I think this little buddy's popping out at us. I can't shuffle, as we know, so no ASMR. But you had the little cracky pop thing. We had a cracky pop. We have the Four of Pentacles. Ooh, <laughs> and the plant is cascara bark, which I've actually never heard of. So let's see what they have either. to say about it. You can listen to my. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> These are my pages turning. Hold, please, while we go through and try to find this. You're always also so fast when you're like going through your tarot book too. I just, I'm not a tarot queen like you. I try to be. Well, this, my, our tattoo tarot guidebook is really easy to, she's organized it very well. This one's organized well too. I just am not fast at it. (laughs) I'm also like annoyingly fast speed reader. And I only say, it's only annoying to other people, but like Brandon will try to like, show me something on his phone or whatever and I'll look at it and read it right and then he'll be like no but like read it and I'm like yeah I did and then I'll recite it back to him and he gets really mad <laughs> my <laughs> husband does that too he's like how did you read that so fast like, power magic don't right? worry like I used my eyes what did you do I found solace in books as a kid while you were out <laughs> doing sports leave me alone they were my only freaking friends okay <laughs> so go away and let me hang out with them all right, so Four of Pentacles. So to describe the card, it says a woman sits in a neat and orderly on a neat and orderly checkboard floor. Her head is covered with a close-fitting scarf, and she has a tight look about her. She has reached a place within herself where she feels secured and centered. Ooh, I like the way this is going already. She feels 
or she understands structure and order and will use these tools to actualize her visions. She is able to reserve and direct her power and will defend her position when necessary. The woman must watch that she doesn't get so tight that she becomes fixated and stubborn. If she begins to think that her power becomes or her power comes from the status she holds or from her possessions, then she will begin to function in a fearful way and forget that the true power is divine spirit flowing through her. In the background is an outhouse. It's <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> We're all about laughing at, laughing at poop jokes. Yep. Right out the gate. <laughs> anyway, um, in the background is an outhouse, which indicates that she may become spiritually constipated and may need to take a spiritual laxative to loosen up a bit. That's my favorite description of any tarot <laughs> card ever. How can you not laugh as you're reading that? And literally, if you could see the picture, she definitely looks a little tight and like that's so uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so it says immob- immobility and clinging to old things that are no longer needed are two areas which need watching. On the other hand, she must take care to not let things pass through without absorbing their full intent and meaning. I'm never going to be able to read another tarot description without thinking of spiritual constipation now spiritual constipation but like what a i feel that i mean i I do too (laughs) so looking at the herb cascara bark so it says spiritual properties spiritually this herb also known as cascara sagrada will enable one to let go of fixed and outmoded thoughts and ideas old experiences will be loosened up and released so that there is not a condition of spiritual and mental constipation and toxicity However, it is also important to observe, absorb the experiences and not let them flow out. <laughs> we are literal children. I can't this take this. And not let them flow out without taking in their full meaning. So what does that mean for us tonight, Cheyenne? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm very distracted by the, just by the wording. Same. In, in general. This is my favorite card of all time, though. That is so funny. I would like you to send me a picture of it. Ooh, I will for sure. And we'll post this to Instagram so that you can all see. Yeah, we'll post this one in stories. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think Four of Pentacles also is one of those cards that kind of asks us to look at how our actions may be impacting other people. I think mm-hmm. like possession and greed can be really damaging to your relationships if they're left unchecked. And I think a lot of four of pentacles, it's initially like, it has that, like, I have all of my things. I, you know, worked really hard to amass all of this, but that doesn't necessarily equate happiness. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of, it's that, that reminder that that desire to have it all um, can be kind of poisonous. So I think Four of Pentacles also kind of welcomes us to open our mind to different possibilities and welcome and accept adventure and change when we feel like we're maybe a little too stuck in our current perspective or think we always have the right answer to things. Yeah. And as you're saying that, it kind of makes me reflect on our podcast in general, because we're all about accessibility here, right? I think it's really easy to get caught up in I have to do my practice a certain way, or if I'm not practicing enough, then I'm not going to progress forward. Or even like with things like Tova, my apothecary and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, if it's not perfect, if everything's not in line the way I think it needs to be, then I don't even move forward. And therefore I'm stuck when I could take baby steps and move on from there, you know? Yeah. And I think that's true of our podcast too. Like, I think it's a reflection of the fact that we just kind of went for something and it's growing pretty significantly. 
but we just have to not allow ourselves to get caught up in the perfection of it all. Yeah. I mean, even in like something as simple as we took a break last week, which we would have never done season one. Like that would have like killed us. (laughs) Yeah. We would have found a way to make it work, but like life was a little too chaotic. Like our community is solid. Our people are here. They're going to understand. We're not going to leave you for like weeks at a time, but we have to practice what we preach here too. And a lot of that is like self-care and actually paying attention to what your body and your brain needs to function properly. Mm -hmm. And that produces better content too. Like you probably wouldn't have wanted an episode from us last week. Yeah. We were cranky. (laughs) We would have been cranky and stressed and like rushing through it and not giving it the time and attention that it deserves. So yeah, I think this is actually a very appropriate card. And now, now look at us. We're giggling it. over spiritual laxatives. Oh my God. So good. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of wish that was our last card of the year because that would have been epic. Seriously. Just <laughs> let it flow. <laughs> oh my God. We're out of control. Anyway, Ooh. herb corner. <laughs> herb corner. Let's do it. What are we talking about? All right. So we're rounding it out in a really cool way. I'm very excited about tonight. And we're actually bringing you a two for one, which I'm also very excited about. Um, and so... If you reflect back on the last couple of herb corners, basically what we wanted to do was start with a witchy kind of found out foundational herb and then move to one that's very accessible. Um, And so tonight what we're going to talk about is one herb that can be wild crafted. And I'll get into what that means in a little bit. And then we're going to talk a baneful herb. Um, And that's very exciting. But warning you now, there's going to be a hell of a lot of disclaimers for the baneful herb because I want you all staying safe. But we'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> I like how most of our episodes have a please don't actually do this. Yeah. And we're going we're to talk about it a lot. <laughs> exactly. Do as we say, not as we do, right? Is that how you say that? Yes. Yeah. Because we would rather we're the ones who get hurt than you lovely listeners. So we yeah, will bravely really. be the guinea pigs. <laughs> don't put that karma on me. <laughs> That's fair. I have, I have enough. I, I have enough. I, I had obviously done crappy things in previous lives. Like, let's just not add to the plate. All right. <laughs> it's obviously a garbage person. <laughs> I get it already, universe. I'm trying. Oh, great. Okay. So what are <laughs> herbs? What's our herbs? So we have plantain to start out Ooh, with. I didn't. This is not the one I guessed, but I'm excited. Oh, about really? It. And so when I say plantain, I'm talking the little weedy plant, not the... which I didn't know was a thing until just a few years ago. So I will get into that in a little bit, but it's a very special herb to me. And then the baneful witchy goddess of the darkness herb that we are talking about later. And I'm not going to call her an herb. She's a plant because I want to be very clear. Do not use her as an herb. She will kill you. (laughs) She will murder your face. Is Belladonna. Oh, she's so hot, though. She's so good. I love her. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, let's dive in. All right, so let's jump into plantain. Yes, tell me about her. So my heart just melts with this little plant because it's so special. But um, honestly, so many of you, if you are not already familiar with plantain, I can almost guarantee that you have seen this little dude at some point in your life. It's often thought of as a weed. And I'm going to get on my soapbox here. I was prepared to do this tonight, but there is no such thing as a weed. All right. 
I know that we all say that there's such things as a weed, but they're not. Plants are plants. And often a plant that is deemed a weed is only called that because of some sort of undesirable about it. Maybe it just doesn't look good. It doesn't create a like pristine golf course-esque front lawn. So we're like, oh, well, we got to get rid of that little buddy. But often a lot of the plants that we think of as weeds are actually super nutritionally dense, have incredible medicinal properties. And often they're these just little dudes that just kind of like live their life and don't really have a big showiness about them, but are incredibly amazing allies. And we just ignore them, which makes me so sad. (laughs) That is sad. So a good example of that is dandelion. I'm sure I've ranted about that before, but also some herbs that actually kind of just show up in your garden are the same way. So things like purslane is an incredibly nutritionally dense plant, but often because it kind of takes over a little bit, people are like, oh, well, this is an undesirable and we should get rid of it. But instead, we could learn how to live in relationship with all of these little plants that actually form a really cool ecosystem when you let them. But anyway, that's my rant about weeds. Weeds are friends. <laughs> Weeds are friends and food. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, of course, there's like invasive plants and stuff like that. But even then, I still think all plants have a purpose in some regard. But it's just that maintenance of them, right? So yeah. anyway, all that aside. So I wanted to talk about this because I wanted to give kind of an introduction to wild crafting or foraging. So that's just when you obviously are going out and harvesting wild plants. And plantain is, I think, an easy gateway into wild crafting because it's pretty prolific. It's everywhere. It's easily identifiable. Um, and it's just so sweet. So I just wanted to share it tonight. But before we get into more things about plantain, I wanted to talk about wild crafting first because it's an, it's extremely important that if this is something you're interested in doing, that you go about doing it, it go about doing it ethically, right? Yes. Um, so first and foremost, it's important that we be reciprocal in our relationship with nature. So nature's not here to serve us, right? Nature's not a resource for us. Um, it's a mutual partnership. We we should be giving back as much as we take from nature. We should be good stewards of the land. Um, and I really love the whole concept of living in a reciprocal relationship with nature and where I learned a lot about this was from a absolutely incredible, amazing book that has absolutely changed my life. And I think it should be the absolute textbook, like foundational textbook that anybody who's interested in herbalism should ever read. And that's Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. This book is about uh, the indigenous wisdom and scientific knowledge and the teachings of plants. And it's just absolutely incredible how Robin dives into the ways in which we can have this mutually beneficial relationship with nature. And she really dives into what it means to be a wild plant and how we can be good stewards of the land and really dives into indigenous knowledge in that way. And it's just, oh, it's so good. So if you haven't read it, please go do so because it's life-changing. Awesome. We'll link that in the show notes for people too. For sure. So some other tips is Obviously, be prepared before you go out. So we want you to be safe. Have your proper clothing, sunscreen, tools. Um, If you're doing things like harvesting, stinging nettle, it's a good idea to have gloves. You know, be safe. Use common sense. (laughs) Also, educate yourself. Always, always, always be aware and knowledgeable about threatened or endangered species in your area. And also, when you're looking at 
the sources uh, that you're referencing and please make sure that they're, they're local to the area that you intend to forage in because some plants that may be prolific or super abundant where your home base is may not be that way in the area that you're going foraging, especially if you're like in a different state or a different country, even from where you're normally rooted, it could be totally different. So just something to keep in mind. Also, I can't stress this enough, but respect plants that are sacred to people who are indigenous where you are foraging. I think a great example of this is white sage or OSHA. Um, I think it's really important to keep in mind that if they're not from your lineage and they're not abundant, it's not yours to take, right? Yeah. The next thing is to practice consent. This obviously applies to our natural world as well as the day-to-day. Always ask the plant if it's okay before harvesting. If you receive a no, there's a reason for that, and it's always valid. Respect that and move on. And you'll know if you receive a no. <laughs> yeah. Um, only take a small portion of the stand and leave the rest to flourish and continue to produce. A kind of herbalist rule of thumb is taking 10%. So literally, if there is 10 stand or 10 pieces of that plant, only take one. That's all you need. Um, also be aware that the part of the plant you are harvesting could have consequences, right? So if you're harvesting a root, obviously that means that that plant's not going to grow back. So be absolutely sure that you need to harvest that or you have full intent to use it. And then also think about the importance of that plant in an ecosystem. So be aware of the environment around it before you harvest it, because if you notice things like nests or indications that animals have been eating it or you know, different types of things that show that wildlife is really dependent on this plant, particularly recently, you probably shouldn't harvest it because it has a, it has a bigger role. And then always offer a gift in return. So some things that you can do is offer a stone or a crystal, a piece of your hair, because that's something very personal. You can even sing or tell the plant a story, which I think is very sweet. And obviously all plants need water. So what better to do than if you're on a long hike out in the woods and you have water in your canteen to offer water that you would also be dependent on. It shows that you're willing to make that sacrifice for them as they're making a sacrifice for you. And also don't be afraid to ask the plant what it needs. Does it need a good pruning? Can you help cut back some invasive plants that are maybe taking it over? Can you help spread their seeds for them? The plant will let you know. And then always, 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 I can't stress this enough, give thanks and express gratitude. I'll take a little tea sip. <laughs> um, what does that look like for you? What do you say when you're thanking a plant? I mean, I'm always pretty straightforward where I just say I, I honor and acknowledge the medicine or wisdom that you are offering to me. And I thank you for that. Or sometimes it's you can just sit in presence with the plant like you could be in a meditative state and just spend your time with them and really try to connect with them on a deeper level um, and meditate on the concept of gratitude towards the plant as well. Very sweet. Yeah. We should all be just a little bit kinder. Right. And a little more present. Like it's so easy to just go into an area and just pick a plant and not really think about it. Right. And it's yeah. not like they're going to say anything to you. <laughs> so <laughs> at least not – verbally right right you might indirectly <laughs> get a message later yeah, yeah. 
So diving into plantain. So plantain is known as a people loving plant. So it likes to grow in areas that are often disturbed by people. The most common place I tend to see it is on trails, like along riversides where you see people kind of walking back and forth all the time. It likes that disturbance in that, that rooted up soil. So the botanical name for plantain is Plantago major. And there's also a narrow leaf version, which this is super exciting, Cheyenne, because I just saw this version for the first time in the medicine bow when we Ooh. were out on our trip. So very cool. Um, but the narrow leaf version of it is called Plantago lanceolata. And so the, the normal plantain that I'm kind of talking about has more of like a round type of a leaf where narrow is obviously more pointed. Mm, gotcha. And as far as identification, it's likely, like I said, you're already familiar with this plant, but it tends to be sweet and shy and doesn't really like make itself super known. Um, it tends to be very close to the ground, but it grows in a little rosette. So what that means is that all of the leaves spread out from kind of the center point of it. Um, and the leaves are very dark green and have these very thick parallel veins. Think like celery. When mm. you break apart a celery, those veins that pop through, the leaves are the same. And those run the full length of the leaf. And then later on, as it continues to grow, it will sprout up and have, um, or it'll have little stalks that sprout up from the middle of the rosette and has like a weird looking little flower on it that kind of, to me, looks like a little mini piece of corn on the cob. <laughs> Funny. But yeah, so we will post a picture of it on Instagram, but I can almost guarantee you've seen it. And if it looks familiar to you, you'll have to let us know because I think it's so interesting that we tend to just not notice certain things, especially plants, until they're brought to our attention and realize, oh my gosh, this person or this plant's been around forever. And now I have this new appreciation of it. Yeah, I love that. It definitely encourages just more presence or even like something as simple as I know how much of an ally wild rose is for you yeah and so like I've always like I mean it's kind of hard not to notice roses but there are so many on the morning hike that I do and I like think about you every single morning and I just Aww. look at them and they're always so cute and it's just that little like extra bit of love that makes everything just make a little bit more sense well, and Wild Rose is so prolific this year it's just been such a blessing but it's funny you bring that up too because that's why plantain is such a special herb to me because I would say it's like my first introductory herb into plant medicine. So my dad would actually make a salve out of it, <clears throat> which I'll get into a little bit later on how amazing this is in a salve. But it was one of those like eye-opening, holy cow, plants are magic moments for me. And so I always just notice it and it always reminds me of kind of the beginning of this journey and that connection to my dad that I have as a result of it. I love that. I know. Um, such a sweet little herb corner. I'm excited that we're going to punch everyone in the face with Belladonna. Afterwards. <laughs> I know it's a good duality, a good balance. Yes. So there's some kind of cute folklore that associates itself with plantain. Um, so Legend has it that plantain was a young girl. And I, I should mention too that um, these little snippets of folklore came from a, a blog called Common Sense Home. Very cute. You should check it out. <clears throat> but anyway, it says legend has it that plantain was a young girl who longed for her lover's return and spent so much time watching and waiting for him by the roadside that she eventually transformed into it into this common roadside plant. 
which is so funny because like I said, you're going to find plantain along very disturbed areas and finding them alongside the road or driveways is super common. Hmm. And then plantain is also not nat- or not native to North America and actually comes from Europe and some parts of Asia. And so it's kind of interesting because a common name for plantain is actually white man's foot. And this actually is derived from Native American folklore, where it seemed like the plant followed the path of white settlers wherever they went. And Interesting. Yeah. And so it's, it's actually really interesting, too, because Robin really dives into plantain as one of those plants that instead of it coming over and being from the outside um, and coming in and just taking over, right? And yeah colonizing for lack of better words it actually figured out a way to be beneficial to the community it doesn't it's not invasive it kind of just found its place um and so it's she really has this really great analogy of plantain as being something that connects in with community and becomes part of community versus trying to overtake community and i really love that about it yeah that's beautiful and you'll have to read that in the book (laughs) a good example for the rest of us and I don't know why, but I just find that really sweet to think about plantain being like this little like doggish plant that's like, oh, I'm going to follow you around. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, friend. Do you mind if I come? Mm-hmm. You'll barely notice me at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, it also says that folklore tells us to place plantain beneath the feet to ease tiredness or carry it in the pocket to protect from a snake bite. And it also says that if you bind plantain to <clears throat> the head with a wood. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got like a frog in my throat. <laughs> It says if you bind plantain to the head with a red wool sash, it'll actually cure headaches. And I always find that so intriguing in folklore where you have a specific material or a specific color. So like it's just interesting that like a green sash wouldn't work, you know. Which I think is also funny when you think about like the connection to things like witchcraft and how we have color correspondences and just how deep those roots go, right? Oh, completely. It is funny to just think about the context of let's pretend we have a headache, right? If I had a headache right now, I would walk into my bathroom and open my medicine cabinet and I would pop a couple ibuprofen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I might make a cup of coffee. Like that's what I would do if I had a headache right now. But if I had a headache way back when, I would have to A, find red wool. (laughs) If I didn't have wool that was red, I would have to make it red. Right. And then I could put the plantain in it. And then tie it to my face. Well, and in our herb apprenticeship class, um, our most recent one, she shared some kind of um, like folk remedies with us from Ireland. And one of them, I don't remember, I would have to check my notes, but I don't remember exactly what the ailment was. I think it was for like an upset stomach, but they said you had to eat or you had to swallow whole 10 dandelion stalks. I'm just in there picturing trying How? to even do that. <laughs> that would that would freak me out. You know when you accidentally swallow spaghetti? Right. Like that was exactly my thought. And you had like your gag reflex kicks in. How do you how do you how does one accomplish this feat? I would like that's, to know. That's what I thought too, because I'm like, it's not just one, it's ten. That's that's a that's a right. <laughs> I can wrap my head around like muscling one down. Right. <laughs> um So yeah, moving into the medicinal uses of plantain. So the herbal actions, which again, remember those are the effects that an herb has in your body. 
um, include the fact that it's a vulnerary, which means it helps skin heal from wounds. And that'll actually be a common theme that you'll see for plantain is that it's extremely beneficial for skin conditions. Um, it's antibacterial and antimicrobial. It's anti-inflammatory. And like I said, it's also, um, nutritionally dense. So it can be eaten in a salad and it's an amazing source of vitamin A, C, and K as well as zinc, potassium, and silica. So blend that baby up in your next smoothie and you have a super smoothie? Food, really, <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, you have a smoothie. <laughs> But that's an extra potent smoothie. <laughs> that's so cool. Have you have you eaten it? Have you tried I it? I never have. No. So what I have done, so that's actually a good segue because um, plantain's amazing for drawing things out of the skin. So where I've seen it be most effective is things like um, drawing out a stinger from when a, a bee stings you Ooh. or like a sliver. Um, and most commonly like the itchiness from a bug bite. Um, and so one thing that you can do if you're in a pinch is if you get bitten by something or stung by a wasp or whatever, you can actually just take the plant and chew it up and then basically make a poultice in your mouth. Right. And then put that on the bug bite or the sting and it works like instantly. It's, it's an absolutely magical little plant. Yeah. You'll have to send me a picture of it so I can forage because my legs are covered in mosquito bites right now. Yeah. And I've honestly, it's been incredible to see because we've witnessed. So like I said, that salve that my dad has made, we've witnessed where kids get stung on the river and are like screaming bloody murder, right? Kids don't handle being stung very well. No, they do not. And my dad would put some of that salve on and instantly they would be fine. Like the crying would stop right away. It's just, it's mind blowing how fast this plant works. Very cool. Yeah. Um, So like I said, it can be eaten in salads, but it can also be taken as an herbal infusion to help alleviate digestive issues. Um, Also, if you're having like some skin conditions, it can also be a good thing to add to your bath and just take a soak in. Um, And it's also supportive for other types of skin issues like wounds, burns, irritation, or rashes. Obviously, um, if it's like a third degree burn or something like that, you definitely want to seek medical attention, but it's something that can help keep it from getting infected. Or if you're already starting to see an infection, it can help kind of deal with that. Um, But yeah, it's just such an amazing little plant. I just love it so much. Yeah, what a little powerhouse. Yeah, and... One thing I also like to know about plant medicine, and this one I think applies, is that I find it so fascinating that they seem to grow where they might most be needed. So things like aloe and how that grows in the desert, right? So it's just so mind-boggling to me that a plant that literally helps primarily help with things like sunburns grows in the desert. Or that, that you find very plantain. Cool. Yeah. Or you find plantain close to rivers or like more moist areas where bug bites are most likely. Just happens to be this little ally that's like, hey, here, I'm here to help you if you need it. <laughs> got you. I got you, boo. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, that's amazing. So. And I love that idea of like, just that I, that concept of just finding your place or, or we talked about it in our episode with Jeremy too, when we were talking about the mountain and an emperor, like taking up, taking up no more, no less space than you need to. You're not infringing on anyone, but you're also not shrinking yourself for anyone. And you're just there and you've found it and it works. And I wish we could all get a little bit better at that. 
Right. So that's plantain. I love it. I'm going to go. I want to go forage for it. I want to go find it, especially because I've been itching my legs constantly while we've been recording. (laughs) And you're going to die once you realize what the plant is because you're going to be like, yeah, I've totally seen that everywhere. And it's super common in Colorado. I see it all the time. Yeah, I'm sure it's on the river walk by where I work. I can almost be it. (laughs) Okay, let's take another break. All right. And we'll talk about Belladonna. <laughs> I feel like we have to say it like that for the whole rest of the episode. Belladonna, Belladonna Her Majesty. <laughs> All right, so let's shift gears. Let's talk about that bad bitch, Belladonna. <laughs> There can't be any better introduction than that. Right? (laughs) All right. So moving into belladonna. So obviously, as we've kind of indicated already, this is an example of a baneful herb. And we're going to be focusing on the edgy, dark, mystical, and witchy beauty that is belladonna. So baneful, in case you haven't figured that out already, means that this herb is toxic or poisonous. And when you use this herb, if you were to, um, which I'm highly recommending you don't, you would only use it in a strictly energetic or metaphysical sense. You would not ever use this medicinally or um, consume it in any way. Um, And with belladonna in particular, it's really easy to have an accident with her because literally every piece of belladonna is extremely toxic. The leaves are toxic. The stem is toxic. The freaking root is toxic. It's a toxic plant. Um, So, If you are using poison plants for energetic purposes in your practice, please, 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 please do a ton of research. Take extreme caution. Um, This includes things like using gloves or other protective gear even when appropriate. And I can't stress this enough, but I I would even go as far to say don't ever even try to work with it on your own. Always work with an herbalist or practitioner who's specifically trained and specializes in working with poison plants before attempting to do so on your own. It's just not worth it, right, to have a really um, unfortunate accident trying to work with the herb. Yes. But but that being said, um, poison plants like belladonna or like datura, which is another type of baneful herb, which is also a very special, beautiful plant, they're plants that are incredible teachers and have a lot of wisdom, but they're also not to be worked with by the faint of heart. They, to say that they offer tough love is like the biggest understatement of the year. Like you need to have <laughs> done a hell of a lot of shadow All work. All of your work. Yeah, yeah. You need to be ready to hear some harsh realities. There'll be very profound, deep truths that you learn. But poison plants are connected to the other side. They're connected to the underworld. They're connected to the darkness, right? And with that, with being so connected to the shadow, that can uproot some things that if you're not ready to hear them or you're not willing or you're not necessarily ready to work through them, that that can be a pretty traumatic experience for you. So just something to keep in mind. And belladonna has been described as being um, actually cruel in this regard. So work with poison plants with a hell of a lot of respect and clarity and focus because it's going to be a wild ride. (laughs) 
Yeah. All right. Take us on it. Yeah. And then also keeping in mind, Belladonna is not only toxic to people, but super, super toxic to your little fur friends. Um, so don't plant it or work with it or anything where you're going to be near dogs, cats. Oddly enough, I guess deer are not phased by it, but still just don't, don't plant this stuff. <laughs> Interesting. Deer are way cooler than we give them credit for. Honestly, they're kind of bad bitches too. They are. Like <laughs> my freshman year of college, sorry, <laughs> tangent, we don't have to include this. Somebody literally got attacked by a deer on the oval, like fully attacked in the hospital attacked. And I was like, yeah, like he was probably trying to ride it or something dumb. It was Montana, right? Yeah, fair. Um, But I just think about that every time I see them now because we see them on our morning hike every morning and Willie desperately wants to chase them and we argue about it every morning and I <laughs> tell her that story about the guy who got beat up by a deer. Well, it's funny you say that too because I just came across like this TikTok video. You never know what you're going to find on TikTok, I swear to God. But it was this video where this deer is like running along and this hawk is like had just captured a rabbit. <laughs> oh, God. Right. And so I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be a really traumatizing video. And so like the rabbit's like squealing. And the deer, like, is running by, like, stops in her tracks, realizes that this rabbit is, like, in danger, and just, like, beats the living all crap out of this hawk. It was, like, Bambi and Thumper (laughs) in real life. And Bambi came through for Thumper. Hardcore. That's bananas, and I'm gonna need a link to that, too. I know. Nature is wild. Anyway... Sorry. Back on track. Belladonna. Um, So some more safety considerations with Belladonna. Um, Don't obviously grow it if you have kids or pets, but also keep in mind if you're in an area where kids or pets can access it. Also a good idea not to grow it. Don't grow it near fences where it can like, you know, travel under into the neighbor's (laughs) yard. Um, Obviously do not grow or work with Belladonna if you're new to herbalism or working with plants and do not under any circumstances work with Belladonna indoors. It can cause the most severe hospital visit migraine you've ever experienced in your life. Got it. So so why would somebody want to plant Belladonna? I think for like the energetic connection with Belladonna. Okay. Um, And so Belladonna is obviously also very connected to witchcraft, which we'll get into in a second. But um, yeah, I I think working with poisonous plants on an energetic level can actually be a very amazing experience. Like I actually work with a um, Datura flower essence and it's an energetic flower essence. So for people who are familiar with flower essences, it's where a flower is actually um, put into water and the water preserves the energy, the vibrational energy of that plant. And then it's preserved with like brandy. Um, But you can actually do an energetic flower essence where you just have the water next to the plant. It's not going to be as powerful as if you were to take a piece of the plant and put it in the water. But it can still be. Yeah, but it can still be a very profound medicine. Um, So I have a Datura flower essence that's similar to that. And um, I'll use it in like dream work or when I'm like needing a kick in the ass because you can. Bet she'll come through on that. You can count on her. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's probably the only way I'd ever really advise using belladonna or any other type of poisonous plant is an energetic flower essence. Um, And then not, you know, just being making sure it's coming from a reputable source, because if people are making tincture with belladonna, that's also a no go. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. 
Um, so Belladonna's botanical name is Atropa Belladonna. And as a matter of fact, it's called Atropa because of the fact that it's such a deadly plant. Um, so I learned this from spruce.com, but Atropa is derived from the um, Greek goddess Atropos, who, if you're familiar with um, Greek mythology, was one of the three goddesses of fates and destiny. So the three fates. And she's actually the goddess who holds the shears to cut the thread of life. <laughs> so there you go. Um, and then I also learned from this article, and I've read the, and I actually read this in a couple of places. Um, but Belladonna actually comes from the Italian phrase meaning beautiful woman. And funny enough, um, ladies that were in the Venetian court used to put drops of Belladonna in their eye to dilate their pupils, which was viewed as a sign of beauty at the time. So again, it goes without saying, I don't think we should tell you not to do this, but please don't do that. <laughs> Dilated pupils. Humans are so interesting. Right? I don't think I've ever been like, damn, the pupils, though. You look so high. It's just so sexy. <laughs> did, you, did you see those pupils? <laughs> I know. Can you imagine, like, being at a bar with your girls and you're like, oh, my God, did you see his dilated eyes? Like, <laughs> oh, dreamy. He had the most gorgeous. Okay, although to be fair, David Bowie had one permanently dilated pupil and he's a babe, so. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. Everyone commonly thinks that he had two different colored eyes, but that's not correct. He had two green eyes or blue, whatever colored they actually were. And one of them was just permanently dilated from an accident he had as a young man. Also, can we like reflect on the shit women have had to go through throughout life to be perceived as beautiful? Yeah. Put poison eye drops in, girlfriend. <laughs> or, like, wasn't there a time when they had, like, arsenic and makeup foundation? Yes. Or corsets. There's, like, don't even get us started on corsets. There's been a lot of really terrible things in makeup for a mm -hmm. long, long time. I mean, there still is. Let's be fair. <laughs> That's accurate. But, yeah. Um, so we can just add dilated pupils to the list, apparently. And they, I don't imagine they had sunglasses back then. Right? You can't, like, go to the bank and pretend like everything's kosh. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Belladonna's connection to witchcraft. Um, so I'm going to refer to another book that I highly recommend. It's so good. It's called The Witching Herbs by Harold Roth. And he gives such a great overview of the connection of Belladonna to witchcraft. So firstly, Belladonna visually represents the crooked path and the evil eye. So Belladonna has an alternating leaf pattern, which means that when you look at leaves on a stem, the leaf that is above, so leaves will shoot off in the opposite direction of the leaf below it, which gotcha. is what it means when it says alternating. Also, what's kind of interesting about Belladonna is that she grows, her main stem actually bends back and forth um, and doesn't like grow straight like a normal plant does. Hmm. So that's why it's connected to the crooked path, which of course is what people thought witches walked, right? Yes. Um, additionally, the berries of belladonna. This is another reason why it's such a kind of trickstery, dangerous plant. Um, the bella, the berries of the belladonna are beautiful, dark, and satiny. They, if you look at a picture of them, they just look appealing. They look like something you want to eat, and it draws you in. Um, and so this, this obviously makes it even more dangerous for like kids or pets because they're going to see it and be like, oh, that looks good. And what's even more interesting about it is that the berries taste sweet versus bitter. So in nature, a lot of the times when something is poisonous or toxic, it'll be bitter to warn you like, hey, don't eat more of me, right? But belladonna is not that way. 
like it's one of those that you could continue to keep eating until it kills you and it would be like a fairly enjoyable experience i guess <laughs> okay question answer <laughs> how many berries do you have to eat to kill like who was eating belladonna berries and was like yo dude these are sweet that's a good question but i was reading that it only takes like a handful of them and okay, like for so a kid it's only many. like two or three interesting but actually i was reading that a story i think it was the romans when they came through um if they were putting drops in their eyes they were definitely tasting <laughs> Well, I think there was a, a situation, or no, maybe it was the Saxons. I don't know. One of those invading armies back in the day <laughs> were coming through and um, didn't have a good food supply and came across Belladonna and thought, oh, these might be okay to eat and actually wiped out the whole army. So. That's amazing. <laughs> War is garbage. Don't let men be in charge of anything. <laughs> um, so that's why it's the allure of these berries that have resulted in Belladonna being donned with the name Evil Eye. Um, I also have to state that I think this could also be connected to the fact that Belladonna use, was used as eye drops to be perceived as more beautiful. Because anytime women do anything to make themselves more beautiful, they're obviously like being tricksters against you and trying to ruin your life. I mean. <laughs> we're just deceitful, you know? We are. Just big old liars. But we're pretty. So. And what's interesting too is that Harold Roth really gets into the ambiguity of witchcraft, which I think is just so fascinating. And he has a really great excerpt on this in the book, but he talks about the fact that um, there's like this duality of witches and how they're perceived in culture. So on one hand, they are something that could provide you with herbal medicine or the milk of your cow or whatever, but then they can also be something that wipes out your entire crop. Right. So there's this weird duality where people also kind of depend on them, but they also fear them. Right. Yes. So Belladonna kind of, aligns with that a little bit too in that um it has these really delicious looking berries it's a very beautiful plant it has these really sweet little bell-shaped flowers so it, it appears as though it's a plant that shouldn't be harmful at all but instead it's actually something that's extremely dangerous it kind of fits the characteristics of that trickstery ambiguity unpredictableness um which is also another reason why i think it is so closely aligned with witchcraft even though witches weren't really known to use it super heavily. It's not in like a lot of spell books or anything like that, but it's just so connected in that way. Yeah. That's fascinating. But the one place that Belladonna does appear a lot <laughs> in historical witchcraft is it's one of those plants that's used in the famous witches flying ointment. Um, <clears throat> so, girl. Yeah. So if people are familiar with flying ointment, it would be this ointment that would be applied to the top of the head or your, the bottom of your feet and it's thought that that was what allowed people to be able to fly. Um, and it's also said that it would be applied with a stick or a broom. So you can kind of see where this is going. <laughs> um, more tea in the middle of telling people about masturbation. What? They said, you're really taking a tea break in the middle of talking about masturbation. Oh my God. Wait. Did you disappear? No. <laughs> wait why oh because people would say it would be applied vaginally yeah yeah i forgot about that piece <laughs> i never do yeah so interesting interesting history there um, that Belladonna. Okay, another another question okay sorry i'm full of them you're probably going to answer them all in your notes anyway <laughs> um so with like leaves and a stem that's toxic 
like how what kind of what is like skin to leaf contact like toxicity look like like does touching it kill you or do you have to ingest it um I actually don't know I do know I was reading earlier that if it and I'm assuming it's like if the there's some sort of like fluid from the plant yeah it's into your skin that you can actually absorb the toxins through your skin in that That way sense but I think just touching it in general I don't want to say for sure. Disclaimer here all over the place. <laughs> right. I think just touching it, I don't think it would be harmful. But obviously you would want to like touch it and then like put your hand in your mouth or something. Right. Like or I'm one of those people who will like pick up pine needles and like break them apart in my hand. Right. You know, and like make yeah, my don't do that. smell all good. <laughs> like that would probably be the thing that would be unadvisable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. So Belladonna would totally make me a victim for sure. <laughs> Um, so I just wanted to dive into a little bit of historical uses of belladonna too, because I think it's kind of interesting, but belladonna was one of those things that was deliberately used as a poison and weapon throughout history, which again is so fascinating to me. Cause when you think about like older civilizations there, you have on one hand where people are putting them in their eyeballs and the other hand, it's being used for like a flying ointment. But then the other hand, it's like very Chemical clearly warfare. a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just so interesting to me. Um, and Belladonna actually inspired Shakespeare's Macbeth because in the year 1030, King Duncan of Scotland used it to defeat the Danes by giving them Belladonna to drink. Mm -hmm. Um, and then actually in World War II, uh, it was used in the form of atropine sulfate. So there is a way to extract a medicinal biochemical from Belladonna that's called atropine. Um, but this is obviously done like in a lab with very <laughs> scientific professional people. This isn't something you should try to do at home, but atropine is, um, was used as an antidote to, uh, alleviate nerve gas symptoms. Um, oh. and actually this is so funny and so ironic because we just made fun of like the fact that people put them in their eyes to dilate their pupils, but actually there is atropine in the stuff that doctors use to dilate patients' pupils in optometry for exams and surgery today. I guess I'd never really put much thought into the fact that that would be something that would be true. I know. It's just so funny to me. So additional folklore or magical uses. So I'll give you my last disclaimer of the night that this is for informational purposes only and to explore for fun. Again, I don't recommend you do any of these things. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how many times I can say this. You can't um, sue us. We have no. <laughs> I have it recorded that I gave you 18,000 freaking disclaimers on Belladonna. But um, Belladonna shows up in uses with hexes, death potions, and curses due to the fact that it's obviously toxic, but also the fact that it's closely tied to the underworld and it can be used to charge tools to commune with those who have passed on or actually be used as an attractant for spirits. It's a. Um, plant that is very closely connected to Samhain as well. Very cool. Um, And Belladonna was also occasionally found in beauty spells and potions. And there's a legend from the Middle Ages that says that the plant was an enchanted being. And on certain nights, it would transform into a beautiful woman who would then lure men to their deaths. I mean... That's my favorite kind of fairy tale. Well, and it's just always so interesting to me. Sorry, I'm very anti-men today. I'm not (laughs) not really sorry, but... Some of you are cool and some of you listen to our podcast. So not you. 
<laughs> but it's just always interesting to me that um, anytime that there's like the idea of like a confident, beautiful woman that she must be like dangerous, right? Yeah. And like her existence still somehow seems to revolve around men. Right. <laughs> like, no, thank you. Never mind. I take back my unsincere sorry from earlier. <laughs> and then in Christian folklore, the devil loved Bel- Belladonna so much that he would guard it most of the year. And the only safe time there was to harvest or kill the plant without enduring the devil's wrath was on May Eve when he was called away for the witch's sabbats. That's amazing. I know. I was like, dude, that's the best one yet. That is the best one. Um, okay. Sorry. One more question. Well, I'm actually um, at the end of my notes. So it's obviously a question we, I haven't answered. <laughs> do we know where it grows? Like how hard is it to get Belladonna? Um, I think, I mean, it's actually pretty easy to get seeds for it and stuff. Okay. Um, it's not, it's one of those that's not native to the United North States. America. Yeah. Um, and what I was reading is I think it shows up where it has kind of planted itself um is in like the pacific northwest or other kind of more like like mediterranean cool weather. yeah of exactly interesting. okay cool that makes sense if the romans were using it it was obviously around so. right exactly cool that was fun <laughs> it was a very good balance and all yeah people are gonna be like jesus shale we get it <laughs> we, we get it don't do play with it, it. I'm being like mom tonight where I'm like, don't freaking touch this stuff. I appreciate it, though, because I think that's important. But yeah, what a sweet little little pairing of somebody who's just like kind and shy and ready to help with just about any ailment you could possibly have. And then bad bitch Belladonna. Bad bitch Belladonna. (laughs) And that's all that needs to be said. And also, as we're wrapping this up, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been so nice for these herb corners, because I think you can remember from our first one, I was freaking nervous, like so anxious about what people would think of these and if they would just be boring and not helpful at all. So people have been so kind. Our listeners know quality content when they hear it. Herb Corner is very popular for us. Everyone loves it. it. They do, though. And it's very sweet. And we all learn something, which we know we love because we talk about it all the time. We like education around here. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been so fun to watch even just how much behind the scenes like Tova and you have grown in like the last, I don't know, six weeks. So we've been, you know, working on season two and having these four Herb Corner episodes. So I just want to thank you for blessing us with them because they are such a special and like core part of Ouija Board's Midnight Marks now. And I'm so excited to watch Tova grow. And speaking of that, please tell everyone your website, where they can find you there. I know we've talked about it before, but let's like wrap it up full circle where they can get shale and more herbs all summer long. Yes. So I finally launched the Tova website. So we don't have herbal products yet. It's in the works and spoiler alert, but some of the product lines might have some people that, you know, from the podcast doing collaborations. So that's very exciting. Um, In the meantime, Um, you can check out my online journal or our TikTok page. 
but to find our new website, which I'm very excited about, spent a lot of time on, <laughs> so please go check it out, is www.thinningoftheveilapothecary.com, a.k.a. Tova. Yes. So go check her out. because She will be linked in the show notes. We will tag it on Instagram, all of the things. The website is gorgeous. It looks so good. Your branding is like so quintessentially you and it just makes so much sense. <laughs> and I love it. I'm so excited. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. It's my turn to be a mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So with all of that said, where does that leave us per witch and slip wise tonight? Do you have thoughts? I might have thoughts if you don't have thoughts. I'm interested in your thought, but I think I'm still kind of hung up on the idea of finding your place where you're rooted, right? Yes. Same love level. Yay. Oh my gosh. It's so cute. So (laughs) something that my dad actually used to say, which is actually now that I'm saying this out loud is a very cool synchronicity here. But, um, and I think you can relate to this as well as a kid that moved around a lot, (laughs) but he always used to tell me, you got to blossom where you're planted. And that has been something that I've taken through my entire life. And no matter where I end up in this weird nomadic life of mine is to figure out how to bloom where I'm planted. And so I think we can also take that lesson from somebody like Belladonna, who is just the bad bitch that she is. And she doesn't care what you think about her. And also with plantain, that's like, Hey, I'm going to just be part of community and figure out how I can give back in the best possible way, even though I may not be from here originally. And I think that's just a really special lesson on both, both sides. I love that. That's perfect. Cheers, witches. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. If you're having a witching good time, we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven. You all know it's us against AI in this algorithm e algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky, marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, witches. Cheers. <laughs>